0: Max Planck at some point said um, we I, I have never managed to persuade any of my critics, luckily they all died one by one so since they were all like older scientists yeah. who simply did not want to believe the, in, into quantum physics for example yeah. that's scary I, I'm, I'm curious to ask you because we have two questions, left. One, one of them then you say that we live maybe in ego-driven community a little bit. As you are a mentor, I, I see you can't care a lot about your BTU student and your student as well. What is a good quality uh, for mentorship between the mentor and mentee? What makes this successful from your experience? Oh, this is, this is a time-variant thing. It really is also career and life stage variant okay. in, in things. So it's um, so when I started my PhD, uh, sorry, when I started started my PhD, he had a really great advisor, and then, well, he became a father and he didn't have as much time. He was still a great advisor, but he became very different. Mm -hmm. And since he simply didn't have enough time for his lab, his students, and he was up for tenure, it became much, much tougher uh, uh, to interact. And it made me, on the other hand, much more independent. And um, now when I look at my own advising. I kind of see these stages now too. So my first couple of PhD students I had when I was on the German comparable of tenure track since in Germany, back in in the days, there were very, very few tenure track positions. So you would basically have a research group at some place, and then you would get tenure later at another place. Hmm. And I had this research group at Max Planck where Jens Koba was part of and Katharina Mülling and Oliver Krömer. And we were, we were really, well, we, I was really advising these guys at the tightest possible level mm. and we were in the same room and, um, we, I push all my knowledge right into their brains without, uh, well, giving them any, not giving them any risk of failure. We, we mm-hmm. basically, we, we simply were, they basically got all my experience, all my knowledge. I was directly involved into every single step. Now, obviously, this all worked super, but it also meant that the the students, um, well, once they graduated with their PhD, had a hard time recovering from it. So, Katarina yeah. Willing decided to t- change topics so that she really gets to explore something on her own first, which is something which actually looking back should have been a a center of the phd Mm -hmm. um jens actually for this postdoc he he first was very silent he kind of needed to uh, you know recover from his phd Mm -hmm. and uh, and ollie who's now professor at cmu he joined me in going to darmstadt and he actually then took it as a center role for himself to well kind of become the well, PhD, the leading PhD student among a group of PhD students. And then because I was building up this new group, I had to get all the funding, start teaching in big time, everything which belongs to a big German group. Well, I obviously had much, much less time for my PhD students. And while some of them got good, good supervision, thanks to, for example, Holly as an older PhD students, or thanks to some of our postdocs but uh, many of them started to well swim much more freely and some nearly drowned because i didn't have so much time for them but on the other hand they also got much much more how to put this they they knew how to swim much better uh, at the end of the phd than the first generation had Mm. uh, simply because they were much more challenged by getting the day to day, getting day to through day by day, even than the first generation had. And now, currently, with the third generation of PhD students from my lab, I have the feeling we're getting it better and better because we we're putting in more of the supervision elements, but um, we also have been doing more of the well. We we're, we're giving them much more freedom in the first generation. Mm-hmm. So. Cutting a long story short, I think they're they're different national equilibria. One is you want to make the student as successful as possible and be as successful as possible yourself, but probably the tightest possible supervision um, is the right way. Mm -hmm. You want to make the student as brilliant uh, a mind as possible. Well, you ideally want to be a very hands-off supervisor. So Oliver Brock at some point ta- called me, told me that he used to call the lab of Osama Katip at Stanford, yep. the Gulag Khatib mm. uh, um, simply because it was, well, uh, a lab where you wouldn't see your supervisor very frequently. And if so, he was quite tough with the students and you had to really perform. And um, if you had survived the Gulag Katip, then you would be really, really good. Mm-hmm. and in a sense that's that's also it is definitely a way to produce very very good students unfortunately but i would feel really sorry for the students on the way because a lot of them are gonna well die uh, based die trying you know instead of could have been successful if they had an advisor which well wanted that was more focused on them succeeding and less on creating well Having the best possible output of the ones who succeeded, yeah. um, so that's a very different equilibrium point. Yeah. And yeah, I, I would really so. thank you. That this is really very informative and clear point about mentorship. Thanks so much for this operation.